What's happening, friends? This is Syracuse Basketball Post Game, presented by Kraus Health, the exclusive healthcare provider of SU Athletics. We are at the JMA Wireless Dome. Mike Waters, Brent Axe, site of one of the biggest comebacks in Syracuse basketball history. Syracuse down at one point tonight by 24 points, mounts a furious comeback to take down Colgate 79 to 75 as the final score here. And Mike, we've heard so much about man-to-man defense, right? This is going to be the mark of the Adrian Autry era and Autry going to -to man-to-man. It was that pressure defense that Syracuse mounted in the second half. So you're looking at a situation. Syracuse is down 46 to 30 at halftime. The second half score 49 to 29. Chris Bell with 25. Judah Mintz with 23. And we saw history at the dome tonight. We're still trying to figure out exactly where it is in Syracuse basketball history, but we could safely say it's the second biggest comeback in ACC history as provided to us by SU Athletics, and it's got to be up there on the list in terms of Syracuse history, but as we speak here on Tuesday night, we're still trying to figure out exactly where it is. Yeah, actually now we know it's the largest Syracuse comeback since at least 1998. So we're going back 25 or more years now, and, you know, and you, you mentioned it, they were down 24 points, and they looked just lifeless. They looked like they were playing in mud. Uh, the defense was listless, the offense was stagnant, and then they went to the full court press. You know, and Adrian Autry mentioned after the game, he told the players, listen, play four minute games because a 24 point lead and 16 minutes to go, that's almost too much to, to wrap your head around. So play for four minutes, play that four minute game. And they did that and they started chopping it down and they got it going. You know, a couple of numbers really stand out to me. The, the biggest being the two biggest. They held Colgate to just one made three-pointer in the second half. That's huge. And they made eight in the first half. And we're shooting at like eight of 15 from three. In the second half, Colgate only makes one three-pointer. And also, uh, uh, Colgate turned the ball over 14 times in the second half alone. 14 second-half turnovers. It was more turnovers than made field goals for Colgate. And that's all that Syracuse press. And that's that press and the commitment to the press. You brought it up. They look lifeless trying to get into some kind of rhythm in the man-to-man or, or just in general. And, Mike, Adrian Autry brought it up. I asked a bunch of players in the locker room afterward about these four-minute games right. that they play, which is pretty much the pace of play in between TV timeouts. And all the players I talked to said how much that rhythm helped them get into the rhythm they needed to win in the second half. And, you know, the three-point numbers are interesting, Mike, because the last couple of years Colgate hits 18 and 19 three-pointers against Syracuse. So we knew that was going to be huge in this game. And then you look up at one point at the three-point shooting, and and I'll give you the the full numbers here in a second, but you look up at one point, Mike, in the second half, and they're even. They're both sitting there at at one point at eight three-pointers. The way Colgate was hitting them earlier, it looked like they were going to go on yet another run that they made the last two years, but not tonight. Yeah, making eight out of 15 threes in the first half, it did look like Colgate was having another one of these nights against Syracuse, and it really didn't matter whether Syracuse was playing man-to-man this year versus the 2-3 zone of the past two years and when Colgate was able to come in here and beat Syracuse. uh, Colgate looked so efficient offensively. Syracuse was playing the man-to-man, but they were not playing it as aggressively as Adrian Autry wants them to, and he's been trying to tell these guys, you're not 
playing it hard enough. You're not playing it tough enough. But they were still winning the exhibitions. They were beating New Hampshire and Canisius almost despite it. You know, they were winning, they were beating Canisius because they played defense for four minutes or maybe six. And that's all it needed, you know, all they needed to. But against Colgate, it was going to require more than that. Now, they were very lucky. They were able to beat Colgate with a 20-minute defensive effort because really in the first half, they were almost like it was they were playing defense like they were just being cool. Yeah. You know, yeah. it wasn't intense. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. And to get it in game three of the year, Mike, I asked Adrian Autry about this afterwards, that you can't replicate this in practice. Autry has talked so much about the effort this team has put in and how hard that they play generally, which is great, and that's fine. But you can't replicate what we saw tonight in practice. And Colgate wilted under the pressure defense, but you had to keep it up. It wasn't just a two or three or five minute spurt. You had to play 20 minutes of hardcore, full court pressure defense to knock Colgate off its perch. And so the three point numbers ended up nine of 32 for Syracuse, nine of 24 for Colgate. So given the huge disparity between the two in recent years, that's huge. And Mike, Chris Bell, how about Chris Bell tonight? I mean, we have heard so much about Chris Bell. He's got the freedom to shoot and how they're going to rely on him to do that. We're still kind of wondering about this team. Three-point shooting-wise, Chris Bell, I'm going to say it, answered that bell tonight. Sorry, I had to do it. Yeah, we'll let you get away with that one tonight anyway. Chris Bell, six three-pointers. Uh, you know, listen, it wasn't like he had an amazing shooting night. Six of 14, you know, that's like three of seven. That's a decent percentage, pretty good. But, you know, the fact is, is they needed him to make those shots when he did. He made a couple of threes at the very beginning of that comeback that kind of jump-started Syracuse. They were down 20, he made a three. They were down 17, he made another three. Those threes got them going. Malik Brown, I was talking to him in the locker room afterwards, and he said it was those Chris Bell threes that he felt like really kind of got the team's belief going that they that energized them because it's hard again to come back from 24 20 points but when Chris Bell in two shots gets you back to 14 he felt like that really was a jump start for them so Malik pointed to that the other thing Chris Bell we should note he finished with a career high 25 points his previous career high was set last year it was only 17 you know so here's again one of those kids that last year was a freshman started a lot of games had some ups and downs and you would hope that some of these kids are going to be better this year, that we're going to see improvement. You know, guys like Justin Taylor, Malik Brown, Quadir Copeland, and Chris Bell tonight played a game that last year I don't think he was capable of. Judamins with 23 points. Mike, this is what you're going to get with Judamins. He's got the freedom to run this offense. What we saw tonight was a lot of good Judah and a lot of bad Judah. They yeah. got the good Judah when they needed it in the second half because – What's good about Judah, Mike, is he is not afraid to challenge defenses. He has got the green light to create. We know he can get inside, not only create a shot, but get to the free throw line. He had a huge defensive steal and drive the other way. A couple of great plays on defense in the second half. A couple of great dishes in the second half of this game. But we also saw the Judah Mintz tonight that thinks he could take on three defenders. And the Judah Mintz that's taking shots that maybe shouldn't be there. And we're seeing, it's very early in the season, but we're seeing the balance there of Judah Mintz running the offense versus when Judah Mintz has to be the offense. Ultimately, he Adrian Autry said it in the post game. This is a kid that comes up big in the clutch situations. You got to give him credit for doing that tonight. But it wasn't quite the old uh, Scoop Jardine or or Mookie Jones type situations. But there was 
good Judah and bad Judah tonight. And the good Judah showed up when they needed him the most. I think the bad Judah you're referring to is the player who uh, forces the shot, forces the drive to the basket. You know, the driving, that's his strength. And so he wants to do it now. And when it doesn't go well, that's gonna it's going to look bad. When you drive and you get met by a big guy or the shot, it just looks bad. It looks worse than missing a 20-foot shot. A 20-foot shot still looks okay, right? So Judah's mistakes are going to be accentuated by the fact it just looks bad when you're in there amongst the trees and now you're off balance on defense. The other thing, too, is I think it happens, and Judah senses it, when the offense overall is stagnant. And when they weren't getting anything going, and especially in the first half, his sense is to take some of the load on his own shoulders. And so as they start to play better offensively as a group, I think we'll see less of Judah having to do that or feeling the need to do it. So he'll, it'll look like Judah's playing better and doing more when the whole team starts to play better. And then, like you said, in the second half, the driving lanes were opened up a little bit more because the, the game was a little bit more freewheeling. They were playing full court. There's more open space, and you see what Judah can do. The other thing, we got to point this out about Judah. Because he does like to drive and because he, he will play through contact, he doesn't shy away from contact, he drew, I think, 10 fouls tonight. Mm -hmm. Colgate, as a team, drew 11. So a six foot three point guard draws 10 fouls. That's an unheard of number, but we're seeing it a lot from Judah because of the way he plays and he's going to the line. And we talked about this last time in the post game podcast, he's going to the line a ton and he's converting them. 11 to 14 tonight. 11 to 14. If he's going to get to the free throw line, because as a wise man once said, free throws matter. Hey, put him in, draw fouls. <laughs> There's a balance there though. And that's going to come as the season goes. And Mike, it, it's look, we're Buffalo Bills fans. It's almost like you don't want... I know, I know. Okay. Moment of silence. Okay. <laughs> you don't want to rein in Josh Allen too much. But there are times you got to tap Josh on the shoulder and be like, don't do that. Maybe Judah's kind of in that territory. But look, he's a talented player. He should have the green light to go out there and do it, especially if you're going to go 11 to 14 at the free throw line here. So it was Bell and it was Mintz that really stood out, Mike. But Malik Brown. Oh, yeah. Was huge in the and, second half, particularly in the press. And Autry said how much he loves to play in the press, and he showed that. Yeah, you're right. I was going to bring up what Adrian said about him, too. He was like the first player Adrian named when he was asked about going to the press and the effectiveness of it. And he talked about how he has a certain group that he likes to use when they press. And Malik Brown was the first guy. And it's obvious. Uh, you know, he can move around. He's more active. You know, he comes in for Naheem McLeod. You're only going to play Naheem McLeod if you're in the sort of press where you've got your center all the way back. With Malik, you can play him anywhere on the floor. He can chase another guy down, or you can put him all the way up front. Uh, he had a couple steals there, uh, you know, some poke steals, that one breakaway dunk late in the game. Um, you know, Malik was a little slow to get going tonight, but he was really a key part of the press. Quadir Copeland played a role in the press. J.J. Starling was also out there in the press. So yeah, you could see the group that Adrian's talking about when he's when he's talking about like wanting to ramp up the pressure on people. He felt you know, like even Quadir Copeland was getting what he called back steals. Even after Colgate had broken the press or the ball was ahead of some guys, Quadir can catch up and with his length and everything, he can like create a, a turnover from behind. It, it was a really great effort. I gotta tell you, you know, we were digging through the media guy. We were going through the record books. 24 points. You asked me late in the game, 
I had no clue. All I could tell you was it's the largest comeback in the Adrian Autry era. Yes, we know this. <laughs> Confirmed. <laughs> absolutely right. Second biggest in ACC history, which is incredible here. That when Judah Mintz made the free throws in the final minute or about a minute and something to go in the game to put Syracuse ahead 72-70, it was their first lead since 3 to nothing. They wow. had trailed the whole length of the game, basically, and rallied and came back. This ran the gamut. It's the third game of the year. And what I like about this, Mike, is there is no natural rivalry in the ACC. I mean, the Duke game's always big, and we've talked about this, right? This is the, the price of going to the ACC where no team in that league is going to say that Syracuse is their rival. There are games that feel big. It's an important league to have success in, of course, but there's no Duke-Carolina-type rivalry with the ACC. Colgate is the closest thing Syracuse has had to a rivalry because Colgate won a couple of games in this thing. Before that, they had lost 54 straight to Syracuse, but then they come in and bomb threes and the team from just down the road, and Matt Langle has done an incredible job building that program. So you come into Colgate with, and we were wondering where that intensity was earlier, Mike, considering... This team had beat you two years in a row. There were a couple of players in the postgame locker room, Chris Bell told me about this, that he got really fired up this week because the coaches put the scores from the past two Colgate games on in the Mellow Center when they were practicing this week. So I wonder how 100 to 85 looked on the scoreboard. I think that was the score two years ago. That's what it was. And they said it fired him up, but we didn't see that in the first half. We certainly saw it in the second half. Syracuse fans, I love you, but... They were in midseason form. The boos were raining down when this team was down. And I think what Syracuse fans, the message they were sending they were was, was the effort. Like, I think yes. they didn't I like what I they were seeing there. there. Yeah, I right? agree with you. I think they were booing what they perceived as a lack of effort, yeah. a lack of intensity. I think we were feeling and observing the same thing. It was a breaking point there. But then, Mike, they turned it around, and this place was as loud as it can be. I don't know if we have the official attend. Yeah, so attendance was 19,387. It's probably a little less than that butts and seats count, but the beauty of these games sometimes, Mike, is 15 to 20,000 people can be as loud as 35 when the game is right, the situation is right, and you came here on a Tuesday night at the JMA Wireless Dome, and you walked out of here seeing one of the more unique games and one of the greatest comebacks in the history of, of this facility and really in Syracuse basketball. And it comes a few days off the heels of that very unique Syracuse-Boston college game. So we're, we're seeing all kinds of weird things this week. I can't wait to see what else uh, greets us through Syracuse athletics. Syracuse-Pittsburgh. I don't cover football. But you meant Syracuse. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Syracuse-Pittsburgh at Yankee Stadium. The soccer team Not plays in the NCAA tournament on Thursday. Who knows what we're going to see there, right? Like, this thing is, is going uh, batty at this point. But I like that this series has some juice, and you look forward to the Colgate game, and Syracuse got one back tonight, so I, I love to see that. Mike, any other thoughts? that we have not covered uh, from, from this one tonight. A lot gets lost in the mix when it's so intense in the second half. But Well, yes, Benny Williams was back. That's There you go, That'd Benny like, Williams well, back. We should talk about. Benny came back uh, after missing uh, one exhibition and the first two regular season games due to the suspension. Only played about nine minutes tonight. I thought he looked a little rusty. You know, he was trying to do what he could, settled for some threes. Obviously, it wasn't there yet. Adrian said after the game, they got to get him back in the rhythm. They got to get his conditioning back. Benny was not available post game, so we really don't know. You know, you know, maybe he wanted to avoid it um, for now for one game. In a way, that was fine. The focus was on the comeback tonight, but 
it's still a key guy for Syracuse to get back into the rotation here. They're going to need him because the upcoming stretch is, we've said it before, this is brutal coming up. It's going to be a bumpy ride from basically from here to Christmas. All the more re reason why this was really important tonight. When you've got games against Tennessee, Gonzaga, Purdue, perhaps, Virginia, LSU, and Georgetown on the road coming up, Ooh. you didn't need to lose this one. You could have, but it was uh, probably really nice to get this win. All those games you mentioned take on an importance of their own, but given that Colgate had beaten Syracuse the past couple of years, it feels good for this team to get that. It feels good for the fan base to get that. You saw an entertaining game. But, Mike, you said it. Like, they won the game, and they completed the comeback. Let's say they didn't. Let's say they come up two or four points short, right? The fans had to walk out of this building tonight, or you had to walk away from this game, wherever you were watching, with that feeling. This team had to walk away from that game with that feeling that they got back in it, that Colgate didn't come in and, and you know, drub you by 20 points like they did a couple of years ago, right? So winning is obviously huge. And, Mike, there were so many things that I think happened in this game tonight, mainly the press defense, but coming back, keeping your composure, playing those four-minute games, as Coach Autry said afterwards, that you cannot replicate in practice, right? Especially for a younger team. Colgate is a veteran team that's been to the NCAA tournament. They have been there. They have done that. You know, you've got guys on this roster like Keegan Records and Ryan Moffitt. They're grad senior. Syracuse's oldest player is, as we mentioned, Benny Williams, right? So for a young team to take on a veteran team that's seen a couple of NCAA tournaments lately and learn things on that court as it went, I mean, difference between the first and the second half it, it was worlds apart and now they bank that knowledge and you said it Mike now you got Tennessee coming up at the Maui Classic we'll see who they play on the other end of that this is as loaded a field as I've ever seen in this event so to quote uh, an old football coach here at Syracuse University the hottest fire makes the strongest steel and they took their first step into it tonight with a win but Oh boy, here we go. It's just not going to let up here pretty much till Christmas, as you said, with the exception of a couple games. A big win for Syracuse, one that I think they can build upon, they can learn from it, they can show them game film, show them what they looked like in the first half, and then compare that to what they looked like in the second half. This, this is a really, and it, you know, for this team, I mean, sometimes you can learn off a loss. But I think for this team, it's important to get that win and still be able to learn from it. No doubt about it. What a game. What a comeback. Thanks to everybody who was watching out there tonight and listening somewhere in the future here. We appreciate you subscribing to Syracuse Sports on Spotify, on Apple, YouTube, Amazon, wherever the case may be. Our next live post-game show will be Saturday night. It'll actually probably be Sunday morning by the time we get on after Syracuse takes on Georgia Tech and a football team that's still fighting for a bowl bit here after that very unique win over Pittsburgh at Yankee Stadium. We'll see if they still have to do the Red Grange offense, Mike, and put Dan Valari or whoever could play quarterback at quarterback in that thing. We will have a new episode of Syracuse Sports coming up for you later this week. Look for that on Thursday and so much more to come here. I can't tell everybody yet, but we've got a cool, I'm going to say this, little tease, Mike. We've got a... a a cool surprise coming for you later this week. A new way you can interact with not only me, but this show directly. And I'll just say it this way. Keep an eye on your phone. Okay, Keep an eye on your phone, and you'll learn all about that. We have a Syracuse Orange Sports newsletter that we would love for you to subscribe to. Just go to Syracuse.com slash newsletter. Uh, newsletters, pardon me. 
Syracuse.com slash newsletters. Find the Syracuse Orange Sports newsletter. I uh, put that together. comes out every Thursday morning. So we got lots of stuff coming for you here. Football and basketball crossing over. We're going to have post-game shows after all the Maui Classic games next week. We're in the thick of it here. And we've seen some good ones this week. And we'll see if that trend keeps on coming. For now, Mike Waters, Brent Dax, live here at the JMA Wireless Dome after one of the greatest comebacks in Dome history and Syracuse basketball history. Down 24, they knocked down Colgate 79-75. to Thank you so much for watching Syracuse Basketball Postgame presented by Crow South. We'll catch you next time, guys.